What's up, you guys? Welcome back to the Sauce Lab Podcast. I know it has been a long time. I know I was not able to get to you guys last week, but I am here back with another episode. So glad to get back in the NFL talk, get back into all the crazy shit that's been going on. I This is the time of the season when all the shit's picking up. It's playoffs are right around the corner. If you guys are playing fantasy football, fantasy football playoffs starts in two weeks. Everything's starting to pick up. We're starting to get some definitive playoff teams. We're starting to get some teams that are making some noise into who's going to be the one seed, who's going to be a wild card team, and who's going to win their division, things like that. And I want to hop right into it. I'm not going to give you guys the weekly roundup of last week just because I had so much work. I, Like I had told you guys, I went home for Thanksgiving and I came back the time when I was usually recording. Not to mention I had a ton of work just readjusting back to Syracuse. I did not have the time to record a full episode and put it out, but it was still an amazing week in the NFL. I'm still going to only give you guys this week's weekly roundup. I'm going to give you guys all of those. I'm going to be ranking some of the in-the-hunt teams in each conference and say my ideas of how far they're going to get into the playoffs. Then like my idea of the final awards and some final playoff predictions and things like that. And then I have a small little segment where I just talk about something that I look for in quarterbacks that I've talked about a lot, but I've never really gone fully in depth with. But I mean, it's not so new, but I'm going to start it right off and give you guys my weekly roundup. I'm going to get right into it. Um, this week, week 13 just concluded. It was actually a really, really great week. A lot of super close games. Uh, the primetime games weren't particularly great, but the games in the one o'clock slot were a lot of fun. Personally, my New York Jets, Zach Wilson, had a pretty solid day, even in a loss, and I at least was very happy to just get to watch the NFL and unwind and things like that. Best game of the week, I've got to go to the defeated, now 1-10-1 Detroit Lions beating the Minnesota Vikings. Such an amazing game. At the final seconds, Jared Goff brings the Lions all the way down the field to score a game-winning touchdown to Amon Ross St. Brown on just an easy curl in route, thereby solidifying the fact that the Vikings' defense is so bad, the fact that Kirk Cousins is a choke artist. I actually have an argument now consistently with my friend here at Syracuse about Kirk Cousins and how we feel about him. He consistently puts him top 10, and I just keep saying, just watch. Just watch him in the fourth quarter lose the game for your team. Just watch. Watch as the stakes are set so high for yourself. Kirk Cousins continues to fall to them time in, time again. I had really had this game circled on my calendar as the one that the Lions could go out and actually get the W, and they ended up doing just so. In the beginning, they were not... I mean, I know that they were without Dalvin Cook, but that is not nearly enough as Madison, Alexander Madison has shown time and time again that he's a very viable backup, and he's good enough to just step in, especially against the Detroit Lions defense. This should have been a very handed win for the Vikings, but they got off to a very slow start going down, I think, 14 or 16 points. Uh, They ended up bringing it back very close. Then, like I just said, Vikings ended up coming out victorious. An amazing game. There were a couple others that definitely could have gotten the cake in this one. The 49ers Seahawks game was a great one with a ton of weird turnovers, not so much offensive production, but very close. A divisional game that I always look forward to every single year. That one was another one that I just had to give a side shout out to, but the Detroit Lions win was definitely game of the week. 
Offensive Player of the Week. This man, I had seen a TikTok actually, funny enough, that was like, uh, George Kittle always has a random week throughout the season where he has 100 yards and two touchdowns. Maybe this is it. And he got that shit spot on. George Kittle, nine receptions, 186 total yards and two touchdowns. Just an unreal game altogether by him. Really puts the team on his back, and he is just a testament to how deep and how much talent the 49ers have. If only they could really get over the hump with their quarterback position, with their secondary. That's definitely a big uh, negative on the season for the 49ers. Their pass rush besides Nick Bosa, especially when Nick Bosa was out, that one's definitely a big benefactor to the fact that they're only around 500 and fighting for a playoff spot and not definitively in the playoffs. But altogether, George Kittle, amazing performance, really put the team on his back, great in the passing game, great in the blocking game, re-solidifying himself likely as the number two tight end in the NFL. He was out for so long, so people suddenly started putting guys like Kyle Pitts, guys like Mark Andrews, guys like Darren Waller up in that second slot, yet I think that it's now definitively George Kittle, and if he continues to have this run for the rest of the season, Travis Kelsey has definitely taken a small step backwards from the definitive, oh my god, he could be a wide receiver one if he was a wide receiver type numbers, so now he's a very, very great tight end, but not so locked in as the number one spot. So I think that if George Kittle continues to have a really great season, Kittle could definitely overtake Kelsey for that number one tight end spot. Uh, defensive player of the week, I have got to go to a guy that is making a claim to be the defensive player of the year. A guy that is jumping so, so quickly in rankings for defensive player of the year and the odds and shit. It's TJ Watt of the Pittsburgh Steelers, a guy that I love so much, like I've said, so much bend, so much get get off, but really it's the strength and tenacity that he brings that on any given down, he just causes so much havoc. He was the one that caused the pressure on Lamar Jackson on that final two-point conversion that ultimately led him to overthrowing Mark Andrews to win the game. He really was the game changer in that game. I think that he was the reason why they ultimately won. Lamar Jackson is so fantastic at getting around and just not letting uh, edge defenders sack him. We saw it with Alex Highsmith. We saw it with all the other guys on the Steelers. Yet TJ Watt just has that ferociousness and that tenacity that he can bring him down time in and time again. He actually did it four seconds separate times, four sacks, and a forced fumble for TJ Watt. An amazing game for him, really putting his stamp on the NFL, putting his name back into that Defensive Player of the Year conversation, even with missing two games. Really love what I saw out of him. Uh, Fantasy Player of the Week, I've got to go to a guy that I have such high expectations for, not only the rest of the season, but next year and the year after as well, of the Denver Broncos. With Melvin Gordon out, Javante Williams really stepped the fuck up in his presence, even though they had a really poor loss against the Kansas City Chiefs on primetime. Javante definitely got it done, both in the passing game and in the rushing game. I think two total touchdowns, one in the receiving, one in the rushing. Really, really great game, proving... and. I mean, with the shelf life of running backs, we're currently seeing all the top paid running backs are out in some way, shape, or form. Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, uh, Aaron Jones, the list goes on. All these older, quote-unquote, I mean, they're only like 26, 27, 28, which is not old at all, but for a running back, that shelf life is so volatile. And guys like Javante Williams, guys like Najee Harris, John Taylor... 
uh, Cam Akers, Antonio Gibson, these younger guys that are really stepping onto the scene. Travis Etienne, I think, could be really great next year. These younger guys that, though they might be in this 15 to 25 rank right now, by next year, I think that they'll really solidify themselves in the top 10. But this week, it was definitely Javante Williams, 30 fantasy points. Great day altogether for him. Biggest injury of the week, I've got to go to Kenyon Drake and Logan Thomas. Both don't have such an insane effect on the game. One is a very solid tight end, and the other is a backup running back in a pretty bad running scheme, but both are out for the season, it seems like, so that will definitely affect each of their teams and how they game plan for the next coming weeks. I'm not too sure who the Raiders' third string is, who will probably get the touches. I know Devontae Booker left, but I don't really think that that's going to be something that we need to worry about too much. Ricky Seals-Jones might get a small boost just because Logan Thomas might be out. But even so, uh, football team really has seemed to mellow out and throw into their tight ends so much. They did it a lot, lot more towards the beginning of the season and last season than they do now. But still definitely some big injuries to keep an eye out for. Team I'm starting to buy, the LA Chargers. It's a team that fluctuates so, so much, but that big win against the Cincinnati Bengals, not to mention them being two games above 500 going into this crucial time when the playoffs matter so much, is so, so important for them. They have a solid schedule, nothing too crazy, nothing too easy. I think it's going to be a definitely a very difficult time, but I think that they could surely end the season at lowest two games above 500, maybe three, maybe four, if they have a really great run to continue the season. I'm hoping for a really great end of the season for the Chargers. I'm hoping that they don't have the same offensive blunders like they did towards the midseason peaks, towards when they were losing to the Patriots, and when they lost. I'm trying to think, who did they lose to two weeks ago? That was a really poor loss. I don't know. I forgot it. But either way, the Chargers definitely have their ups, definitely have their downs. I think that their front seven really needs to stay healthy, needs to stay intact, and they cannot be letting up these gashed runs, which they have in the past, and that will really slow them down, especially come playoff time. But if Justin Herbert can really get that, put the team on his back, and reconnect with Keenan Allen consistently, make Mike Williams, and maybe not go back up to the wide receiver that he was in the beginning of the season, but it definitely looked like he's coming back as a very solid wide receiver too. They continue to do that. Maybe Jared Cook gets some receptions. Obviously, Austin Eckler gets his touches both in the running game and the passing game. I think that if this offense stays afloat and their front seven stays healthy, they could definitely make some noise down into the playoffs. And then a team that I'm starting to sell like every week, I'd be hating on them so much this season. Came into the season hating on them, and I feel like the storyline is literally writing itself right in front of our eyes. The Minnesota Vikings just fail at every occasion that they can. I really am disappointed by them. It's more like a father being disappointed in a son. Not even that I call the Vikings my son, but the fact that I consistently say, even if they have these two unreal receivers that are both probably consensus top 12, top 15 receivers, they have a running back that when healthy is top five, and their backup when he's healthy is top 10. It's unreal that they have so much talent altogether and can and never seem to be able to put it done. I definitely think that Mike Zimmer has to be out of the door by the end of the season. I personally feel like Kirk Cousins needs to be out. I think that they'll probably give him another year or two, but with the missed snap behind the center, I don't know if I talked about that game with you guys. That one, I literally watched him in two fourth quarter, or two in the fourth quarter, two drives to win the game, just consistently failed, failed. Uh, this week against the Lions, had that l- 
came back against the lead, yet dropped the ball when it was necessary. That one is a lot bigger credit to the defense than it is to the offense and Mike Zimmer. But either way, just awful showing altogether by the Vikings. They always keep it so close and never seem to get those Ws. I hate this team going forward, and I don't think that they have a spot in the playoffs based on how it's looking out to be. Now, random new hot take. I'm going to actually combine the random new hot take and the other stuff. I'm going to basically revamp this bottom part, and instead of doing my normal stuff, I'm going to be ranking the the in-the-hunt teams in each conference, and at the end, that'll ultimately get my idea for who I have as the final two wildcard spots in each conference. I think that we're already pretty clear on who the top of the playoff pictures would be the Patriots, Titans, Ravens, Chiefs, and Bills are probably all locks in the AFC, and then Cardinals, Packers, Buccaneers, Cowboys, Rams are probably all locks in the NFC, but it really does seem like six and seven, seed six and seven are wide the frick open in both the NFC and the AFC, and I'm going to get into who I think will be there for each. I'll go actually from back to front in the AFC, and and then obviously the teams that are very low on the list. These are just the teams that have still a slight hope or a possibility or a chance of making the playoffs. If if you don't hear your team's name here on these lists, then it means that they're either so bad that there's no chance that they're going to make it, or they're so good that they're going to be a lock. These are just the teams that I think are on the verge. At number seven in the AFC, I have got the Las Vegas Raiders. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I really don't think that this team has what it takes to put it all together with their coaching woes, with all the things that have happened this season. The runoff has clearly already started, even with their strange win on Thanksgiving. I just do not think that they are equipped to make a run for the playoffs with Darren Waller really being the only good target. I mean, Hunter Renfro has definitely emerged as at least decent, but that is not... Hunter Renfro as your one wide receiver is not enough to get you into the playoffs. Their defense, though, Max Crosby has really shown signs. Casey Hayward has been good. Trayvon Merrick has been good. It's not enough to get me to believe that they are anything special in the AFC. Number six, the Broncos. Until I really know for sure that their quarterback is good, I'm not going to be putting them any higher. And Teddy Bridgewater has shown me now, especially over the last three weeks, that he really does have the ceiling that everybody knows about. Uh, He really can't get it done when all stakes are on the table. He doesn't have what it takes, even though their defense is really still solid. A lot of their older guys in the secondary has definitely taken a step back. Bryce Callahan, Kyle Fuller, and Kareem Jackson, I'm looking at you guys. I think Patrick Sertan has now asserted himself into that number one corner role on that team for better or worse, but I just personally don't think that with that being what it is, they can get any farther than sixth on this list. Number five, the Browns, another team that I had said last week or last episode that I felt like they were fully out of the playoff contentions. I still do fully believe that. They are definitely still good in a lot of parts of the game, uh, that being Miles Garrett in the pass rush and Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in the run game. Definitely those two are the things that we can hang our hats on and say that they are definitively top three, top five in the league at. But other than that, uh, they still have big weaknesses at quarterback, big weaknesses at interior defensive line, big weaknesses at linebacker, a good amount of weaknesses at safety. Their O-line, if it's banged up, then they aren't going to be able to do much with it. Their receivers, they don't have much besides Jarvis Landry. I just really don't feel confident in in the Browns going far. 
Number four, this one might come as a little bit of a surprise because they are currently labeled as a playoff team, but the Cincinnati Bengals, I think that their defense has really taken big steps back, and that might be the thing that ultimately kills them. I really still have full faith in Joe Burrow. I have full faith in Joe Mixon, but with their three receivers, I in the midseason, I was thinking Jamar Chase, top five receiver, T. Higgins, if he comes back, could be top 15, top 20, Tyler Boyd, top 30. I think Boyd's fallen out out of the 30, Chase has fallen out of the 5, and Higgins has actually been the best receiver on that team over the last 3 to 4 weeks. If you just look at the numbers, he's the one who's getting the most receptions, getting the most yards, getting the most touchdowns. So, him as the one on that team, do I really feel comfortable with that unit being the unit that really propels you forward? The Bengals are really more counting on their offense than their defense by a landslide, that's clearly certain. Uh, and then their defense, though it does have a lot of shining pieces at some times, they're not guys that are consistently always there, always wrecking. I think Trey Hendrickson has another season where his sacks aren't really generated by his own pressures. They're more by other people's pressures, and he's very, very good at cleaning up. DJ Reader's definitely good. Their corners have shown signs. But like Jesse Bates, I just saw him get torched by Jalen Guyton. I've seen... Justin Herbert had these amazing passing days. I've seen all these teams have amazing passing and rushing days against the Bengals as of late, and I just don't feel comfortable with them going forward as this team that I really think is going to be it is going to be the one that makes the playoffs and ultimately makes noise. Uh, number three, I have the Steelers. This one I am definitely on the fence about because Ben Roethlisberger actually just came out and said that this is definitely going to be his last season and he's going to be retiring. And at first I was like, is this him kind of conceding and saying, I'm hanging up my cleats, like, I at this point it really feels like we can't make the playoffs, so I'm done, I'm out of here, like, this is when I'm going to say it, or is it him, then I continue to think, and I was like, maybe it's him trying to get everybody on his back to say, let's give Big Ben the ride of his life to end off his career, let's go crazy in the playoffs, let's have TJ Watt get those four-sack type games, let's have Cameron Hayward continue to be a all-pro uh, D-lineman, different things like that that ultimately will propel them so so far in this with them being this three on this list it would mean that they are the nine seed ultimately missing the playoffs just because there's two teams that I feel a little bit more confident in but the Steelers are definitely a team that you can never count out Mike Tomlin is a coach that you can never count out and when they have these big bruiser guys Big Ben is a big fucking body Najee Harris will truck you Cameron Hayward looks like if you don't want to say anything about his mother because he's gonna beat you up like guys like that that just scare the shit out of me and I think definitely scare the shit out of some NFL players especially those like younger more athletic smaller sling the ball around type teams when you go up against a bunch of bullies like they have on the Pittsburgh Steelers it is so hard to go against regardless of your talent, regardless of their talent. I have them at three, but I could definitely see them sneaking into the playoffs for sure. At number two, a team that I am not only confident in right now, but I think that I am already starting to have ideas in my mind of them being my new football team slash Panthers team, and that is the Colts, the Indianapolis Colts, with Carson Wentz and Frank Reich back together. He is definitely putting up some really good football numbers. John Taylor, a guy that I'll already expose it for later, 
is my pick for Offensive Player of the Year, who just knows how to put the team on his back. We've seen running backs do it before. I know that I always say that running backs aren't so pivotal to the win, but I think that that more means that you don't need to put so much money and draft capital into them, not the fact that if you have an elite running back, they're not going to get you really big wins and stuff like that. And John Taylor is definitely a guy that if you can get an easy 100 to 150 rushing yards and one or two touchdowns on the ground per game out of him, Carson Wentz doesn't need to do too much. And if he does, Michael Pittman is a decent receiving option. Their O-line is still definitively top five. Darius Leonard is making his name in the Defensive Player of the Year conversations. DeForest Buckner is still one of the best defensive linemen in the league. And I've really got to tip my hat. So the Colts, I think that in this projection, I have them at the seven seed making the playoffs at the end. And then number one, a guy that a team that I just said I'm buying in on now, if they can put it all together week in and week out, the talent that they have, the upside that they have, the LA Chargers are my sixth seed for the playoffs. They're currently labeled as a sixth seed, and I think that they stay there. Out of their last five games, I could see them going three and two, four and one, I would hope, and then they could really make some noise big time if Justin Herbert really has this grit and tenacity that I want to see out of him. We haven't seen him really playing in these ginormous games yet. We've seen him beat some good quarterbacks. We've seen him lose to some good quarterbacks. And I want to see when the stages, when the stage is set and the stakes are as high as they possibly can be. Is Justin Herbert the guy that you want to have the ball in your hands? I think that it's com- it's a complete projection at this point, but I think yes, he is such a big body, has the ability to run, has the ability to throw. It, he has top five to ten guys at every single one of his offensive positions. The offensive line is definitely decent, and the big-name stars on that defense, Derwin James and Joey Bosa specifically, they really step up come playoff time, then the other woes that are on their defense can definitely be shadowed behind those guys. I definitely am really liking the LA Chargers right now. Now I'm going to get into the NFC. At 6, I have the New Orleans Saints. This one I felt a lot more confident in with Jameis Winston. As we've seen with Trevor Simeon and Taysom Hill, they have not been able to step up to the occasion. Taysom Hill is definitely a fantastic fantasy quarterback going forward, and I think that you guys should definitely roster him in any league that you can just because of what type of offense they run when Taysom is at quarterback. It's so similar to Lamar and Kyler's offense where it's run-centric around the quarterback, but I think it's even more with the Taysom Hill scheme just because he's so versatile and he's really not as good of a passer at all as Kyler or Lamar even though they're not known for their passing ability Taysom Hill I'd say is probably a top five worst passer worst starting quarterback passer in the NFL but his running is really what gets you guys gets them above the hump so ultimately I don't think it's enough to make the playoffs but I do think it's enough for you to roster Taysom Hill in fantasy number five the Eagles even though they just had that handed win against the Jets they let up a pretty bad offensive game in the first half to them they have a very 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 easy schedule going forward but this is really a ranking on how I feel about the football team as all together like what the roster is what the coach is things like that not where they are going forward the Eagles definitely still have a chance to make the playoffs playing some really easy matchups in the next coming weeks but I think that ultimately things like cornerback two linebacker safeties uh 
offensive line health is a really, really, really big factor, of course. I think that their receivers, though Devonta Smith is really breaking out of the scene, he is the only one. And for him to have a productive week, it looks like he needs to have a touchdown accompanied with it. So if he's not getting a touchdown, he's not really looking like that super ultra productive receiver that we thought of or that we knew going into the season. I like them. I don't love them. Like I've said also, I think that there is still a big pit in my stomach that is scared that they're going to make the playoffs and I'm going to lose $100 because of the bet that I've been talking about. But who knows? Number four, the Minnesota Vikings. The only reason why I have them ahead of the of the Philadelphia Eagles is because of the talent on their team, but they're another team that I just do not feel confident in whatsoever. Like I just have continued to say, I'm not going to get more into it, but it's Kirk Cousins, the defense, Mike Zimmer, things like that. Just do not feel comfortable with them. Number three, I always am scared to put teams pretty high that I'm not fully sure of their quarterback, and the Panthers can have one of three guys going into next week as their starter. Could be Sam Darnold back from the injury, could be Cam Newton, could be P.J. Walker. I'm really not sure, so that definitely makes me uneasy, and the fact that Christian McCaffrey's out clearly also doesn't make me feel so good. But D.J. Moore, Robbie Anderson, Tommy Tremble, a average offensive line is enough to get it done like not be good but just get it done that's all you need to do is just get it done because you have this top five defense on the other side of the ball now Stephon Gilmore unreal secondary unreal pass rush unreal linebackers unreal interior defensive linemen it's really that defense it would be similar to the Washington football team last year where you really feed completely off of your defense I think that they have a lot of crazy guys on that unit I think that they have a lot of young guys that can really step up to the occasion come playoff time and assert themselves into top at their positions. Guys like that would be Brian Burns, Jeremy Chin, Dante Jackson, Yatur Gross Matos, guys like that. Derek Brown, definitely. Five guys like that that I just think have not really shown themselves in these big stages yet, and when they get the opportunity to, they might. Them being at three means that they are the eight seed and they are just falling outside of the playoffs, but super close. Number two, I have the Washington football team. Yes, so crazy. The team that I was so big on going into the season had nowhere near the season that I was expecting. Started off really, really slow and has since picked it up a lot. Taylor Heineke has been putting the team on his back. Antonio Gibson's looking like a productive running back once again. Terry McLaurin is still a top 15 talent receiver in the league. Offensive line is good. And even without Chase Young, that defense is so young, so fast. And if they can continue to put it together, against these decent opponents going forward, I think that they have it locked down that they will be the seventh seed in the playoffs. And then my number one is the San Francisco 49ers. I really did not like what I saw to Jimmy Garoppolo last night, but like I've said, it's Kyle Shanahan. It's the talent all around him. It's once they get Debo Samuel back, probably the best Swiss Army knife in the NFL at this point, a guy that I really just got to tip my hat to. I feel like I have not talked about Debo Samuel nearly enough on the podcast this year. He's been so, so, so great this year. Uh, I'm trying to think of other, oh, Elijah Mitchell, how could I forget? A man who's on multiple fantasy teams of mine who I really think could have an Aaron Jones type of career in that he's a lot lower on the, like, everybody's radar. He was a late-round guy, and then just because the run scheme is so efficient in the place that he ended up going, he just continues to get production and ultimately becomes a top-10 running back at his position. Elijah Mitchell, I am really loving just the 49ers scheme altogether. Like I said, George Kittle back on 
as one of the best tight ends in the NFL. Trent Williams is the best left tackle in the NFL, and that is a fact. You cannot prove me otherwise, at least in this season. On defense, Nick Bosa, Fred Warner, Eric Armstead, Jimmy Ward, Dre Greenlaw, so many guys around the ball are just unreal on that defense, and I'm really excited for what they are able to do, hoping that they solidify that sixth seed and really stay in the playoff race. So, looking back, my final six and seven seed for both the AFC and the NFC is the Chargers and the Colts in the AFC, and the football team and the Niners in the NFC. Now I'm going to quickly do my next week predictions. Player to start this week, Najee Harris in prime time against the Minnesota Vikings in a must-win game to go to the playoffs. I think that Najee is going to get a ton of rushes against a really shitty run defense and feast, most likely. Player to sit this week, Leonard Fournette versus the Bills. This is definitely going to be a shootout-type game. Leonard Fournette's coming off of a lot, a lot of good weeks in a row. Another guy that I need to tip my hat off to, who I haven't really talked about too much. I didn't talk about, or yeah, I did talk about his four-touchdown performance two weeks ago. Had another great one this week, uh, but this week against the Bills, really great run defense. It's going to be a pass-happy game. I would not start Leonard Fournette. Instead of teams that will disappoint and not disappoint, I'm going to do games to watch this week. Uh, just some really, really great games with some big implications. Steelers-Vikings in prime time. This one has so much to do with playoff implications of who's getting into that 6-7 and seven seed like I've been talking about. Steelers and Vikings are both the nine seeds in their respective conferences, and a win would really propel them so far up into the standings. Raiders-Chiefs, I'm definitely labeling that one because the Raiders just seem to have the Chiefs number, and Patrick Mahomes always does eh against them. It's either very, very close or the Raiders end up coming out on top. So even though I do feel a lot more confident in the Chiefs, I'm definitely circling that one as one to keep an eye on. Bengals 49ers, another one that has so much playoff implications. Bengals are right in the hunt. Niners are right in the hunt. And a win for either of these teams would really push them forward a ton. And then just two games that aren't really going to affect standings, but are just two unreal teams going against each other that I'm really excited to watch is Bills Bucks and Rams Cardinals. Two games that will really show who is the one seed, who is the best in each of their divisions, and who looks like the team that will go on to continue to make the Super Bowl. And then lastly, my three locks of the week this week are the Chargers beating the Giants, the Broncos beating the Lions, and the Ravens beating the Browns. You can book all three of those. Now I am going to do my current picks for the awards at the end of the season. I know that this one's very close to when the time that they're actually going to announce the awards are, so it's not like it's so hot. It's not like it's coming out of nowhere. It's definitely very similar and lined up with a lot of the other consensus ideas in the NFL, but these are just, I want to put my stamp on this before it ends up happening, and I can't say that, ooh, I said that this would probably happen. My pick for MVP has to be Tom Brady, just every week, week in and week out he gets it done even with he had an interception this week yet still played unreal I think four total touchdowns amazing game just week in a week out the Buccaneers seem to get it done they look even better than they did last season as a Super Bowl roster so excited for him going forward even though I don't love him as a player being uh, that I'm a Jets fan I gotta admire greatness, and I really do think Tom Brady is having the greatest season in the NFL as of this point. Offensive Player of the Year, I have to go to Jonathan Taylor of the Indianapolis Colts. Man ran onto the scene and has been bumbling and stumbling ever since. So, so good. Amazing touchdowns, amazing yard numbers, amazing carry numbers, just all together putting an un-un-unreal season. 
at the peak, peak, peak. He is so, so great. I know that I just repeated that about 10 times and that sounded very weird, but I just got to really solidify and show you guys how great Jonathan Taylor is. Defensive player of the year, TJ Watt has now surpassed Miles Garrett in the race for defensive player of the year. Yet I still have Miles Garrett at the end of the season. I think that the extra two games, more QB hits, more hurries, the only number that he's lacking in is sacks, and it really just came out of that game last week where TJ Watt had the four sacks. I know that award voters definitely like to just look at those big numbers like sacks or interceptions or touchdowns and ultimately make their decision based on that. But Miles Garrett is my pick for Defensive Player of the Year. I think that he continues to have a very solid season. I think that he will get it done. It, it feels like it's written in the stars for him to do it. It was TJ Watt versus Aaron Donald last year. Garrett didn't get enough shine, and Garrett is coming to do that this year. Offensive Rookie of the Year. Being that they're the one seed, I can't not give it to Mac Jones. Jamar Chase has definitely taken a step back. Nashi Harris is a running back, which is just hard to get that award. But when you are the one seed as a rookie, unreal. I saw that he is the third player ever to win his first five home away games in a row. Unreal. 5-0 and oh on the road by Mac Jones. Just so, so good. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Just He doesn't have that much to do in that Belichick system. He is really good with dinking and dunking short. He can explode and throw the long ball when necessary. It looks like he's getting a really great chem with or chemistry with Kendrick Bourne, the, re- the new receiver. I'm really liking what I'm seeing out of that. Defensive Rookie of the Year, this has been a guy that put his stamp on Defensive Rookie of the Year at around week three or four and has ran away with it completely. It's now looking like a top 10 to 15 player on defense in the entire NFL. So versatile, can play the edge rush position, outside linebacker, inside linebacker. I I think that if you threw him at safety, if you threw him at D-tackle, he'd probably do pretty good too. And that guy's Micah Parsons on the Dallas Cowboys. He is probably the sole reason that they are doing so great on defense and I really just have to tip my hat to a guy that is looking like a full-time veteran even though he is only a rookie my coach of the year the one seed everybody's expectations were low on him and he has done what he has done before and proved all the doubters wrong Bill Belichick come up and receive your award this man is so so unreal at scheming at taking away other teams one at completely fucking up the other team's game plan at scaring quarterbacks showing these fake defensive schemes unreal altogether just really have to tip my hat to the greatest coach in nfl history and i think just continues to do it again really solidifying himself not only as the best coach of all time but if he were to win this award this year he could really be in the contention for best coach in any sport of all time i know that that might sound crazy i have not done my research to back that up but with him being in the nfl for as long as he has going this long and then still winning it now his 30 40th something year as a coach in the NFL just unreal. Now I have got my conference championships, my Super Bowl pick, and then before I say who I have winning the Super Bowl, I have a little bit of a story to give you guys. So AFC Conference Championship, I've got Chiefs versus Patriots. Ultimately, those two teams I think will get it done in the end. Patrick Mahomes will get back to himself. The defense looks like it's back to middle. Like I've said, they're not unreal, but they're definitely getting it done enough. I just saw that last night in primetime as the Chiefs obliterated the Broncos. Uh, the Patriots are currently the one seed. Bill Belichick, like I said, it's so hard to scheme against him, and he's always one step ahead of you. So while there are other quarterbacks that are better than Mac Jones that I think could get those wins, like Lamar Jackson, 
Lamar Jackson is really the biggest one that I can think of off the top in that division. Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow, we really don't know. But the Patriots, Bill Belichick, I just feel confident that especially going up against young quarterbacks, Bill Belichick will be able to get it done. Chiefs, Patriots, my AFC. NFC, I've got Packers and Buccaneers. It's really the story of Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady, two of the greatest quarterbacks that we've ever seen. Definitely both are top 10 all time. Mm, Rodgers, I'll go top 15. Brady is one. (laughs) So it's definitely a big difference in that but nfc conference championship i think needs to be those two teams even how good the roster here i'll actually just now talk about my middling thing before i get into the super bowl i have a new term that i'm going to be calling some quarterbacks i am a jew myself i am celebrating hanukkah and a word that we like to use in the jewish culture is chutzpah if your player has chutzpah it means that he has a package of words that I'm going to use very soon, but it's the quarterback that has these non-physical intangibles that I think will get you a guaranteed win in a playoff game. Not just a maybe, but if they have what it takes, This the words that I've used for chutzpah are courage, tenacity, persistence, perseverance, chip on your shoulder, cocky, gritty, willing to put yourself on the line, and the oomph. You guys have heard me say the oomph. If you have the oomph, it's a snarl at the camera. It's a look that Tom Brady has when sitting on the sideline and looking up. It's Aaron Rodgers in the press conferences making his snarky side-handed comments. Those things are the chutzpah that I need in my quarterback to be able to put everything on your shoulders and get it done week in and week out. Uh, teams can win without these in the regular season. We've definitely seen it. Teams can actually go pretty far, but I think all the quarterbacks that end up winning have this winning drive and this winning mentality that you cannot tell really until they're fully in the league. You cannot tell until they're probably a veteran in the league because when they're a rookie, they're still just getting their footing on the ground and learning how the game goes. There's one young guy that I think already has a great amount of chutzpah, and I'm very excited that I'm seeing it early, and that's giving me enough confidence to put him very high in the for the rest of his career but like I said you can win without them in the regular season but further and further down the line as you get closer to that esteem thing that everyone is looking to grab which is the Lombardi trophy the guys that are willing to put it all on the line versus even if a guy has more talent who's better at throwing the ball deep who's better at running the ball who's better at all these things if you have that oh my God, there is nothing that is going to stop me and get in my way from getting this Super Bowl. I am rooting for you, and I think that you are the guy that I am ultimately going to take. The three guys that are at the top of the chutzpah chain in the NFL that I've seen so far are definitely Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and Patrick Mahomes. Those are three guys that, when all of it is on the line, they look the defender down, they're scared of nothing, and they are ready to win the war. That's really what I think of it as. Those three guys, there is a reason why three of those guys are in my final four in the NFL. It's because they have what it takes to get it done. That is why my Super Bowl is the Chiefs versus Buccaneers. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady in a rematch of the Super Bowl. I'll get into who I have winning a little bit later. Uh, So those are the players at the top of the line. Next up, I have Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, and Taylor Heineke. Those are four guys that I really think have chutzpah that I've already seen that know how to... uh, I'll give you times with all of them. Josh Allen, when he 
went out and beat the Baltimore Ravens last year in the playoffs, 17-3, with an incredible performance by him. Really just showed so much tenacity, so much strength. He's such a big-bodied guy that I really just am very confident in him. Lamar Jackson this season has won four primetime games where he had to come back in the fourth quarter and has really shown it. Just coming off of his four-pick game two weeks ago, he's in the press conference saying, I want this win, I want to get back, and I know that they just lost this week, and that definitely doesn't look good for his chutzpah, and it looks like it might be a little bit different, but... I really do think that he still has what it takes in that capacity. Joe Burrow, when he had that win, I forget who it was against, but he had he looks directly in the camera and said, don't ice me, don't make me have the ball at the end of the game. And I love that tenacity. And Taylor Heineke, with his game against the Buccaneers, even in a loss, just showed that a guy with so little expectations can far exceed them. I'm really confident in Heineke on the football team, and I think that if he does make a playoff, game and they do ultimately make the playoffs he could be a guy that really shows that tenacity and gets them a win when nobody is projecting that to happen uh then there's the guys that i don't really know if they have the chutzpah and i'm willing to see this season this playoffs i haven't really seen an example of them being so far and amazing they have that tenacity and they have that drive but they're definitely great quarterbacks and they're guys that i do trust with the ball in their hands i just don't know if i trust them against those guys that are a little bit higher than them those guys are kyla murray dak prescott ryan Tannehill, matt stafford justin herbert and mac jones probably matt stafford the most based on his detroit lion days yet he didn't have winning to really back that up so i can't really give it to him as of right now and the players that don't in my opinion is current big ben Kirk Cousins and Jimmy Garoppolo really don't have that chutzpah whatsoever. They're fine with losing. It seems like they just go right into the locker room, hang their heads, and come back out. Next week is a new week, which I don't really love in my quarterback, and I want my quarterback to have that drive that, no, this isn't just a normal thing, and we need to go out there and win. It seems like those guys are just very calm and collected, even when emotion should be shown on the line. The guys that really always step to the occasion, like I said, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, those will be the final three in the league because of this intangible. I can't explain it. I mean, they are also probably the three most talented quarterbacks to go along with it, don't get me wrong, but they do have that intangible, that ability to win and that drive to go out and get the W that I do feel like the Chiefs will ultimately overcome Bill Belichick and Mac Jones because Mac Jones has not yet shown that. And Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers, even though Aaron Rodgers wants to do it with the Packers so bad, we have counted out Brady time in and time again. We have said that there is another team that is going to come out on top. We have said that there are storylines better. And what ends up happening, Brady proves us wrong. I am not going to fall into that trap again. Last year I did. Last year I said it was Chiefs to the moon. And this year I am saying Tom Brady goes back to back with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and ultimately wins in a rematch with the exact same teams on both sides of the ball. I mean, a little bit different roster for the Chiefs, but basically the exact same teams, same setting, same location, Brady does it again. I am confident in that. Buccaneers are my pick to win the Super Bowl at this current moment, and I am going to lock that up. I don't really see another team getting in their way with their defense being as good as it is, with their offense having so many different weapons. 
that that's all aside, it's Tom Brady, it's his willingness to win, it's his willingness to put up four touchdowns, to throw these incredible balls, to have a two-minute drive where he's automatically going to score some amount of points. Something like that is really what gets me to say that the Buccaneers are my pick to win the Super Bowl. And yes, so this has all been working up to me saying that I think that Tom Brady is going to win again. I hate to say it because I don't want to see this man with an eighth ring or I think it's now a ninth ring. Oh my Lord. But that is how I feel. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you guys tune in next week. I've had such a great week this week. Work is starting to pick back up, and finals is actually in a week or two at Syracuse. So that one might be another week where I'm not either able to record normally or not record at all or be on a different day or maybe a weird mic or something like that. So I'm definitely going to let you guys know about that earlier. But I would like to thank you guys for listening. Be sure to give us a like, give us a follow, tell your friends. Continue to listen to the Sauce Lab podcast. I love you guys and peace.